Pacers get back in the win column. A much-needed win over the Charlotte Hornets by the Pacers, who, believe it or not, defended kind of well, had some nice resurgent offensive performances, and found a way to clobber a team they needed to clobber. We'll talk about it all on today's Locked On Pacers podcast. You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Thursday, everybody, and welcome into another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers, as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and SI, and today we have a lot to get to. Pacers get a win. They really needed it. Hornets team is struggling, but so were the Pacers. They needed to win this one, and they did so. They did it with everything they needed, kind of, to be better. Bruce Brown filling up the stat sheet, hitting half his shots. Miles Turner, brilliant to start the game. Buddy Heald got going again. Tyrese Halbert looked like he figured some stuff out. And the bench was phenomenal. And I hear you, person, already very early in the show saying, Tony, it was just against the Hornets. Well, yeah, the Pacers lost the Hornets this season and the Wizards and the Trailblazers and some other crummy teams. Any win by them at this point, I'm like, they'll take it. That's good stuff. And not only did they win, they completely clobbered. Completely clobbered, 31-point win. The Charlotte Hornets, exactly what the Pacers should, which hasn't happened a lot this season, but still should do. Very befuddling time. If they just beat the Wizards last week, they'd be 3-3 three three since the end-season tournament with three expected-ish losses. Instead, they've been really struggling, and they needed this win in the worst way. I'm going to start with the key number. Actually, first, let me say one thing. I met a very nice couple in the stairwell on my way down to post-game media, and I met a longtime listener named Griffin on my way out of the arena. I love meeting listeners at games. If you're there and you see me, please say hey. It's very fun, uh, and they were both very nice and lovely interactions, and I wanted to get that in. And I want to start with defense, which is rare for the Pacers because I started talking about defense after the Clippers game to light them up when they just gave up 151, and that was their third most points allowed of the season, that absurd number. Tonight, the Hornets score 113 which is not that high in the modern NBA. And it was closer to under that. I was tracking this very closely uh, down the stretch. Nick Smith Jr. hit a floater with 14 seconds to go. And the Hornets, in general, scored four points in the final minute of the game. Without those shots, the Pacers could have had their best defensive game of the season. 113 is tied for their fourth best points allowed of the season with their win in Cleveland and their first win over Detroit. They gave up 112 to the Bulls, 112 to the Celtics, and 111 to the Spurs. That Boston game continues to easily be their best defensive night of the season. And there's a clear line of demarcation at 124. The Pacers, when they give up 124 or less, have 10 wins and two losses. Uh, I'm hoping I counted that right. Uh, actually, now 11 wins and two losses. And so you can do the math on the rest of their record. But when they get to 125 allowed, they only have three wins, right? So that's a given their points per game. That makes sense. But that's the line for them. So holding an opponent significantly under that line is significant for the Pacers. And I kind of think you can point to everybody having a nice game. LaMelo Ball's been out for the Hornets, so their offense struggles. But a couple things I thought were noteworthy to talk about. One, you look at this Hornets team, and yeah, they're not very good, but they start Miles Bridges, Gordon Hayward, and Brandon Miller. Three bigger-ish wings, right? And so on a typical night for the Pacers, those guys kill them. In fact, usually when I talk about like the face of the guy who defines the Pacers' failures on the wing defensively, right? I'm not talking about the best wings. 
No one can stop those guys. I go down a tier or two, and it's like when Harrison Barnes kills them, or OG Ananobi, or a guy from this game, Gordon Hayward, right? Gordon Hayward plays very well against the Pacers. At least it feels like he does historically, and some of that's because of his size. Gordon Hayward had one point at halftime tonight. One. That's awesome. The Pacers did a much better job on him. He started scoring to open the third quarter. He had seven points the first, like, two minutes of the third quarter. So that's eight points total, and he finished with 11, right? He only took five shots. Maybe some of that's a failure of Charlotte, but credit the Pacers. They did a decent job on him. Buddy Heald was on him a lot of the game and pressuring him a decent amount. Miles Bridges was fine. Eight for 17 for 19 points. 19 points on 17 shots. You will take that if you're the Pacers. Brandon Miller was the best of the three, funnily enough. Tyrese Halbert was on him. Nine for 17. 21 points on 17 shots in total for those three. That's 39 shots and 51 points. That's pretty good. They When they lost the Hornets earlier this season, Terry Rozier, Mark Williams, and Hayward ripped them up, tore them to shreds. So the fact that they were able to, of course, didn't have LaMelo, but be better uh, and do well against wings, I thought was significant. And they also did well uh, containing them off the bench. They didn't foul, only 19 free throws for the Hornets, 20 fouls in this game, which might sound like not very many, but that is the seventh best mark of the season for the Pacers. Everything was better. Everything that needed to be better for the Pacers defensively was better. They cleaned up the misses when they had to. They had nine more defensive rebounds than the Hornets in this game. Everything they needed to do better, they did. And credit to them for that, even though, yes, there are st- the, the caveats about the Hornets' quality are, are necessary, but they haven't, def- even against bad teams, including the Hornets earlier this season, they have not defended at that level, including to the Wizards last week. So they do deserve a little credit for cleaning up stuff that has plagued them even against crummy teams. I think their practice yesterday was extremely helpful. It was after I talked with Kevin Bowen, so we couldn't talk about it. But they taped up as the, as the phrase they used, right? You're getting on your full gear, you know, your knee whatevers, your arm whatevers, you're taping up your body parts that need it, and you're going hard. It's a harder practice. It's more intense. They're trying to focus on hammering home some defensive stuff getting that simple stuff through that wasn't simple for them these last couple weeks. And they mixed and matched lineups as well. They didn't end up changing lineups. We'll talk about that in a second. But I thought that was all significant. And that was good for the Pacers that they had that kind of, they were able to have that kind of practice, first of all. That is usually fairly tough uh, in the middle of the season, especially with how many games they've had during this month. And they responded well. They defended well coming out of that. So credit to the Pacers for using that practice productively to respond and get a win with their defense. The other noteworthy thing from that practice is we heard Rick Carlisle say this Monday, and then we heard him again uh, reference it, not uh, not make it a thing, but reference it on Tuesday. He said perhaps if we keep playing like this, you know, because they'd lost four in a row, they'd have to look at what a lineup change could do for them. Now, I'm data guy, and I'm going to throw some at you again. Feel free to just say, hey, shut up, data guy. But if you look at the Pacers starting five, right, that they've been rolling with for much of the season, Toppin, Halberton, Brown, Heald, Turner. Phenomenal group, right? Plus 55 and 139 minutes. Their offensive rating is insane. 418 points on 306 possessions, right? Their net rating is unbelievable. That's an 136 offensive rating. No, that is not a misspeak, right? That group has been wonderful. And so I understand that when you're losing all these games in a row, you throw out the numbers. Nothing is working, right? You have to think about what tweaks could look like. But there's also this other group 
that exists, the second unit. They got Jalen Smith back tonight. Um, but in general, McConnell, Neesmith, Smith, Matherin, and it doesn't matter who the fifth player groups are, also are decent enough this season, right? Like they're getting enough out of these bench groups that have success, but they've been hurt, one. They're plus six of you, sub in Isaiah Jackson for Jalen Smith there, by the way. They've been hurt, and the lineups that stink are the mixed and matched ones, right? When it's not, and Rick doesn't like hockey subs, and I don't think they're good, but the all that to say, the lineup change doesn't have to be the starting five is different. The lineup change can be who is with who at what time of the game. And I think you saw a little, like you went back to the Halberton with the bench guys late in the first quarter, and you, know, you could just see those little tweaks throughout the game of who should play with who and at what time. That also constitutes a lineup change, right? So even though we talked, I talked with Kevin about this yesterday, and I thought it was possible that Aaron Neesmith could be a starter in this game if they wanted to juice up the defense and get some energy going, the numbers say what they've been doing makes sense. They just have to find the right combinations throughout the game. But what they're opening with and what their second unit happens to be a lot of the time is still a good group, and a lot of the tweaks they had today went phenomenally well. So continuing to push the right buttons is going to be important for the Pacers. Not making changes turned out to be, not making huge changes at least, turned out to be the right move in this game, and they get a win that they absolutely needed. Stay over 500, avoid the bugaboos of having lost to the Wizards and Hornets five days apart. And not only did they win, they dominated. Why is that important? Their most minutes played player in this game was Matherin at 28 minutes and 27 seconds. He got two more seconds than Bruce Brown, Ben Matherin did. Less than 30 minutes. They play in Memphis tomorrow. So being able to go into a back-to-back as fresh as possible is very significant, right? James Johnson, six minutes. Jordan Wara, almost nine minutes. They split the time of the backup centers with Jalen Smith back. Everything worked out for them to be able to give themselves as good of a chance as possible against a Grizzlies team that, to say they'll be motivated, is an understatement. John Morant playing at home for the first time. It's going to be something. We've still got a lot to talk about about this game and the Grizzlies and the bench from the Pacers in this game. The bench shooting percentage was ridiculous. And we're going to, after we talk about the lovely people over at eBay Motors, who have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week, all season long. Whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we here at Locked On we're going to provide you players that are guaranteed to fit on your fantasy roster. So let's see who Josh has picked out for us on this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. How about a guy that played last week, James Wiseman, who played a decent amount for the Pistons? Why? Well, Isaiah Stewart's hurt. They've had some other centers be banged up. Wiseman's playing more, and he's produced in his opportunities. If the confidence in him goes up a little bit, get ready for the numbers and opportunity to possibly be there. Grayson Allen now going to start. For the Suns with Bradley Beal out, that's a good option. Tari Eason, Pacers play the Rockets in five days, has been crushing it coming off the bench for the Houston Rockets. Ime Udoka finding minutes for him. Brandon Pajemski, a guy I loved in this draft, is crushing it as a starter for the Warriors. And Malachi Branham now starting for the Spurs uh, down in San Antonio. Our Josh Lloyd's five picks for this week. And Lockdown Fantasy Basketball is going to help you win your fantasy championship just like how eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. And that is the same concept for your vehicle. You've got to have the perfect fit. You've got to have the right parts to keep your baby running. Loved my first car. Missed that thing to death. And I upgraded that thing many times to keep it running, keeping that Sebring on the road as long as possible. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you 
can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, it is guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or else you get your money back. Plus, at those prices, you are burning rubber and not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay guaranteed fit only, available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. And we're back here on Locked On Pacers. Thanks for making us your first listen today and every single day for your second listen. Check out Locked On Hornets. Hear about the opposing perspective. I'm sure they'll be talking about decent game from Brandon Miller and Terry Rozier being completely bananas in the first half, and then that completely went away, just as it did in Toronto for him. And in general, some interesting young pieces on their team, like Nathan Mensa, who I had to Google during the game because I'd never heard of him, but was doing some interesting stuff for the Charlotte Hornets. None of that matters. What does matter is that none of that matters to the Pacers, at least. What does matter is the Pacers won, and they needed it, and they're back to two games over 500, and they started off this stretch with a win. If you listen to yesterday's show with Kevin Bowen, you heard us talk about it. Their January schedule is brutal. This coming stretch that started tonight – Charlotte, Memphis, Orlando, Houston, Chicago, New York. All good teams. Orlando's way better than I thought. Houston's way better than I thought. Chicago is killing it right now. Memphis has Morant back. But that is still easier than their January schedule. They've got to clean up this stretch, I think, at least 4-2 and two in those six games. And now they already have a win. So now they can go 3-2 and two in the next five and appease what I think is necessary for them. And every win, quite frankly, is necessary for this team with the lows that they've had at times this season. Gonna start here with the bench and talk about some shooting percentage numbers that are real. I promise what I'm about to tell you is real. Benedict Matherin played almost 30 minutes. Aaron E. Smith played almost 25 minutes. Jalen Smith back from injury. We'll talk about that in a second. Played eight. And TJ McConnell played over 20. Those four players combined missed two shots. <laughs> Unbelievable. They took 20. This isn't some ridiculously small sample. They were 18 for 20. TJ McConnell was three for three. He had five rebounds and nine assists. Ridiculous. Jalen Smith back. Hasn't played in almost a month. Last played in late November against the Blazers. Four for four. Makes both of his threes. Four rebounds. Good defensive presence. Ten points. Four boards plus three. Aaron Neesmith, as usual, fantastic, but made his shots in this one. Six for six. Four for four from deep. Three for three from the foul line. 19 points plus eight. What a freaking steal to get a wing of his caliber for $11 million a year in the current NBA cap climate. And Ben Matherin goes one for one on twos <laughs> and four for six from deep on his way to 14 points, and he was plus 10. We learned after the game that the Pacers, including Tyrese Halliburton, have been very encouraging of Ben Matherin to shoot catch-and-shoot threes. Not the way that he used to shoot them. Catch, assess, dribble, shoot. Catch and shoot in one motion. And he's getting better at that, and he was in this game. The bench was fantastic for almost the whole game. I'll talk about a different stretch in a second. But to go 18 for 20, I mean, what else do you have to say? You can slip up on defense when you go 18 for 20. In the second half, they turned away from Jalen Smith. He wasn't ready for a full game's worth of minutes. And Isaiah Jackson in 15 minutes was 4 for 7 with 10 points and 3 rebounds and 2 blocks. He continues to be phenomenal. He missed more shots and wasn't in their start first half rotation, but deserves a mention as well. Credit to all those guys. Fantastic work from the Pacers bench in this game. And the starters were all amazing. Their plus minuses are bananas. But to have that kind of production has always been important for the Pacers to me when they're playing their best. And they really got it. Really got it in this game. Their one poor stretch, though, that really highlighted the importance of the starters in this game. Late in the third quarter. It's going to sound extreme because they were ahead by a decent amount. Not a lot, but a decent amount. Late in the third quarter, 
Pacers are up over 20 points, and this bench group gives up like a 5-0 run. It might not even be that much. I will go find the exact numbers uh, while I'm talking. Okay, the score, 99-77. In comes uh, Buddy Heald and TJ McConnell to join Isaiah Jackson and Benedict Matherin on the floor. So a bench group is in, and the Hornets immediately go take it from 77 to 99 to 84 to 100. And and Rick Carlisle's like, nope, <laughs> we're not messing with this. We need this win. So up 16 with four, with 14 minutes to go, uh, out went Matherin, Jackson, Neesmith, and McConnell. And the full starters came back in, and they were up 16 with two minutes to go in the third quarter. And that group got the lead back up to 21 before the quarter ended. Heald dunked, Talbert, and hit a three. Buddy Heald got to the line. That was a key stretch. That was the only really, like, lazy stretch from the bench. And the starters picked it back up. And they were also terrific. Credit where credit is due. I mean, really, every pacer that played had a, a pretty good game. You know, Halbert missed some shots again. Uh, he had 19 points still on 14 total shot attempts and had 13 assists. He was still unbelievably good. I'll have a story, by the way, about how he's being defended differently. I keep talking about it. I actually talked to him about it. I went to his locker and I asked him, It's coming. He's figuring out the adjustments. The shots looked a little better today. He hit a ridiculously deep three and took one from the logo. Um, but Bruce Brown, three for six with five rebounds and six assists, right? That is the Bruce Brown that I've talked about being a positive value player, even though no one seems to think so. He just doesn't mess up. He doesn't mess up. I mean, he makes 50% of his shots and has zero turnovers and has six assists and five rebounds. Like, that's a great creator to have on your team. Miles Turner, stat line doesn't seem amazing. 18.6 rebounds, about his season averages. He had 11 points in like five minutes to start the game. The Hornets could not stop him at all. They had to adjust their defense to stop him. He got to the foul line seven times, 18 points on nine shots. Bounce back game. I mean, he was fine-ish before his injury, but also he came back from injury. Obi Toppin, the only starter who you could say had a down-ish night. He made both of his twos, <clears throat> excuse me, but missed all of his threes. And then Buddy healed. Who was fine enough on Monday, by the way, but needed a bounce back in the worst way. Scores 25, 19 of them in one quarter. Got a shooter's roll on a three that hit the back rim, shot way up in the air, came down and went through. He was 8 for 13, hit half of his eight threes, got to the foul line for five free throw attempts. I can't remember the last time Buddy Hill took five free throws for the Pacers. I'm going to look it up while I'm talking. On his way to 25 points. Huge bounce back, and he talked about it after the game, something that I've kind of alluded to that's really tricky with guys who are really, their value's really predicated on them making threes, right? If he stops shooting, his it's like fouling out, right? People say this. When a guy has two fouls out of six and a coach takes him out, the phrase people use is they are fouling that guy out, right? The coach is, not the player, because the fouls are taking him out of the game. If you just let him play, you might get his impact. But what Buddy Heald said was like, if I'm in a slump, and I stop shooting, that is making me slump by default. Like, I'm not making threes. I'm not getting out of it. And for a guy whose impact is making threes, <laughs> that is a problem. So he kept shooting, and tonight he got out of it a little bit, which was really important for the Pacers. He was phenomenal in the third quarter, and that's when the game kind of turned from a game of runs to like, oh, the Pacers are absolutely dominating. Um, Buddy Heald had two games last season where he took more than five free throws. <laughs> and so his only full season with the Pacers, it happened two times. He does not get to the foul line very much. This season, five would be a season high. So that's a big deal, right? That matters a great deal when he's attacking a little bit more and drawing those fouls. Um, and the season he got traded to the Pacers, he only took more than five in a game once. So uh, this was his third highest free throw attempts in a game for the Pacers. Everybody really played well in some way. Toppin had an off-ish night. 
putting the ball in the basket. Halliburton did as well, but credit to everyone. The Pacers needed to play well, and everybody raised their level. The urgency was there, and the Hornets stink, and the Pacers, it doesn't matter if their opponent has stunk. They have struggled against teams like this. They did not tonight. They played their game. They defended well, and they got a win, and they got Jalen Smith back. The injuries are balancing a little bit. Obi, or excuse me, Miles Turner was back after missing Monday. How did Jalen Smith do? What was bothering him? Can he play more in future games? Plus, Jairus Walker didn't play. He's in the G League. So is Ben Shepard, who's sick like me. We have a lot to talk about still with injuries, guys returning, and the play of this team against the Grizzlies tonight coming up in segment three here. But first, we're talking about BetterHelp. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Christmas is here. What does your family do around the holiday season for gift giving? My family, we all sit together, exchange gifts, sometimes give cards, but really it's about being together. We have three events together in the next couple days. And whether or not your family gives gifts during the holidays, you get to define how you give to yourself. The holidays are a great time to do exactly that. Whether it's by starting therapy, going easy on yourself during tough moments, or treating yourself to a day of complete rest, remember this holiday season to give yourself some love and therapy can help you with all of that if you're thinking of starting therapy give BetterHelp a try it can help you learn positive coping skills and set boundaries and empower you to be the best version of yourself and with BetterHelp, it's entirely online designed to be convenient flexible and suited to your schedule you'll fill out a brief questionnaire get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch at any time for no additional charge in the season of giving give yourself what you need with BetterHelp. with visit betterhelp.com slash lockdown mba today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com, slash LockdownNBA. Thank you, as always, for making Lockdown Pacers your first listen today and every single day. Check out Lockdown Knicks second because, whoa, Mitchell Robinson's out for the season all of a sudden. thought it was going to be like 8 to 10 weeks. It's an ankle thing. A lot longer than that, it sounds like now. Yikes. He was killing it this year. Career year, huge for their success. Jericho Sims is hurt. They're in trouble. We'll see what the Knicks do at center. Locked on Knicks will have the answers to all these questions that I now have about the New York Knicks. We're still a good team. I'm very curious what they do in the coming days, weeks, whatever. We keep rolling on the Pacers, who got a much-needed win tonight, talking about some injury returns for lots of guys. Um, first of all, we start with Jalen Smith. I already talked about how he played. Eight minutes, didn't miss, got rebounds, and had defensive presence, which was important to me. Two fouls in that stretch kind of show that. Not in a good way. Fouls are bad. But he was around the play. He knew when to flash at the ball. He knew how to protect the rim still. He didn't miss a beat. And you wonder when a guy misses four weeks, basically, a little less than that, closer to three, I guess, um, what they're going to look like. He knew exactly what to do. His timing was on point. His conditioning looked fine. He only played eight minutes. But still, that is all awesome. For the Pacers, right? He was so good during that first month plus of the season for that bench group. And and credit Isaiah Jackson, who I keep gushing over for this last couple of weeks where he's been great. But Jalen Smith was equally good and a little bit better during his start to the season. If the three is real, it's not going to maintain at this level. Like, it's just not. It, because that would be the best shooting season of all time. But if his three ball maintains at above average, that's awesome. That makes him so threatening and hard to defend, and changes what the bench can do, and his defense is better, and his rebounding is really important. So, oh, there goes my camera. Having him back is very valuable for the Pacers, and he showed that exact right away. First game back, Jalen Smith already fitting in. Um, they play a back-to-back, -back, which also plays into this. I would expect that, this is a minor guess, 
that tomorrow in Memphis we'll see first half Jalen Smith, second half Isaiah Jackson again, and perhaps that kind of shifts after that because you know it's hard after this long off to just completely switch back to him being fully in the rotation. Miles Turner's back as well. He was able to fully practice Tuesday with that sore bilateral hamstring. You never want to mess with hamstrings. Any muscle in your leg, don't mess with those. Um, so it made sense when it was bothering him. Rick Carlisle did say, this is all tied together, so I'll get to this. Be, uh, today, be, uh, yesterday for you listening, Wednesday, that they, you know, they found out about Miles' injury uh, Monday afternoon. They had already sent Jairus Walker and Ben Shepard down to the Mad Ants. The Mad Ants currently playing in the G League Showcase. And so they thought about, oh, do we have Jairus come back up? They said, no, they want him to get the time and experience with the Mad Ants, right? And like, yes, NBA game reps are important. He probably could have played a good amount Monday, but he plays so many minutes with the Mad Ants, right? People people said this tonight to me, which made me laugh, right? They said, oh, well, why wasn't Jairus Walker with the team today? They had a lot of garbage time he could have played in. Yeah, he's playing like 35 minutes with Fort Wayne. I think, not, not Fort Wayne. I keep saying the Fort Wayne Mad Ants, but whatever. Uh, maybe six NBA minutes of garbage time are more valuable than a full G League game. I don't actually know. I'd have to really dig in with NBA players, but... I think it's justifiable to call those at least an even proposition, and maybe the G League one even being more valuable. Now, Monday when they were really banged up, yeah, you want Jairus for that one, but they'd already sent him down. They sent all the two-way guys down. Maddox, the best team in the G League this year. It's not even close. So they have a chance to win this thing. I think the semifinals are today, if you're listening Thursday morning. Perhaps you could catch it. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but that is why this all kind of ties together. Ben Shepard has strep, um, so his status with the Maddox will kind of be rolling this week, but with the Pacers getting healthy, I would not expect Shepard and Jairus Walker to come up unless they lose in the semifinals and they're done. Then maybe, we'll see. Uh, but as it stands, the Pacers are mostly healthy. Like, the rotation they used in this game was their opening night rotation with McConnell instead of Nemhard. and Rick Carlisle did say that maybe as, as a way to get more energy into defense, they would go to a 10-man rotation every night, which to me read as TJ McConnell is going to play. So I think when Nemhard comes back, he will play also. But I think it's possible McConnell sticks with his spot. These are injury updates for the Pacers. Tonight they play the Memphis Grizzlies. And you can look at a lot of stuff about the Grizzlies. You know, this is the hardest game preview for me to do all season. It's not even close. <laughs> because you can look at all the, like I just said, you can look at all these numbers about the Grizzlies. It doesn't matter. Throw them away. Get, get them out of your brain. The record doesn't matter right now. Their net ratings don't matter. And none of that matters. They have John Moran back. That changes everything for them. They already won a game with him back on the road. He hit a buzzer beater. He scored 34 points. He had six, eight assists. He had six rebounds. He's phenomenal. John Morant's an unbelievably good player. And he is the hardest type of guard for the Pacers to contain. He's so shifty every direction, straight up and down, side to side. He's going to be such a tough cover for the Pacers. I'm guessing Bruce Brown gets that assignment. And with absolutely no offense to Bruce Brown, I think it will go okay at best. Right, John Morant's excellent. And the other stack on this, it's his first game in Memphis of the season. Right, They had a road game for his first game. So they're going to be bopping. They're going to want to win in front of their home fans. Desmond Bain's healthy. Jaron Jackson's healthy. They, when they've got their guys, they don't have all of them. <laughs> they're still pretty banged up. Steven Adams, Brandon Clark, Derek Rose, Luke Kennard. Marcus Smart even probably won't play, although he's getting close uh, according to the Grizzlies. But they still have the big three. They still have Morant. They still have Bain. They still have Jaron. And they have at least some interesting young bench guys. So they're tough. The, you know, it does not matter. 
that they're 7-19. and 19. It does not matter if they're 25th in net rating. They're going to be good. They're going to be really hard to beat. The Pacers are going to have to play at their absolute best. The key to me, once again, I guess after this defensive game, I could say that they, if they reach that level defensively again, they can win. They just, their offense has to hum, right? Because I think Jaws is going to be able to make the Grizzlies' life so easy on offense. Desmond Bain's an unbelievably good player, right? Jaron Jackson is is tough to contain. He's kind of a big wing, right? Although he plays the five for them. So I think the Pacers' offense has to hum. They have to be able to keep up. They have to be able to hit their threes and be dynamite on that end, which they have been all season if they want to beat Memphis. Memphis is good when Ja plays and when they have their stars. And the reason the Grizzlies are 7-19, and 19, again, I throw that out. Morant's playing now, but their offense was atrocious. Last in the league. This is basketball reference ratings, not the ones I usually use. Their defense was top 10, right? So if Ja plays and ups their offense to, to fantastic levels again, and their defense is already good, Taylor Jenkins is a great coach, then the Grizzlies are going to be great. So it doesn't matter what they have been. They're going to be really tough for the Pacers tonight. And teams with this profile, good defenses and good enough offenses, have been the Pacers' kryptonite this season. Boston, Orlando, Los Angeles, uh, Lakers in the in-season tournament championship game. Pacers have to score. They have to score. They have to score a lot. It's how they beat the Bucks, who kind of fit this profile. It's how they beat the Heat, even without Alberton. They're going to have to be on their A game offensively to beat the Grizzlies, especially on a back-to-back, especially with the emotions of this game. And last year in Memphis was that scary red laser thing, which we will probably never get more details about. They played a preseason game there this season. I don't know that that's something that it will matter or linger or anything like that, but it's part of this. So Pacers, Grizzlies tonight, it's going to be tough. I think the energy in that building is going to be nuts. And I think John Morant's going to want to have an awesome game in front of those Memphis fans. We'll see how it goes. And you know right here on Lockdown Pacers, we will, in fact, be breaking that down tomorrow. Plus, if we need to, talking about Jarris and Ben Shepard's second G League game. Uh, and if not, then we'll talk about that game as our full show. And we can sneak in anything else as needed. We talked about the rotation Monday. Lots of stuff, all as we're talking about with the Pacers here on the Locked On Pacers podcast. Thank you all for listening. Hope you're enjoying this week and enjoying the lead up to Christmas somehow. Four days away. A very interesting time of year for many, including myself. And we'll continue to have coverage of the Pacers around the holidays here on Lockdown Pacers. Thank you all so much for listening. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. We will see you tomorrow.